Welcome to the Living Godcast. Our prayer is that this message speaks to you, impacts you, and inspires you. Please enjoy today's message, and we invite you to contact us if you need prayer, appreciate this word, or would like more information on Church of the Living God. Be blessed today. Um, if you didn't get any, um, if you don't have any of the notes from the classes, please just, uh, I've got all of those notes in digital form, and I can either email th- those to you, or if you need a printed copy, I can get those to you also. Uh, last week's notes, there were a lot, and there were a lot of scriptures, um, and we didn't go through all of those, so I didn't put a lot of recap on here, um, but the power gifts were faith, gifts of healing, working of miracles. Those are the most demonstrative gifts. Those are the ones that when they show up, people have a hard time saying that wasn't God. Because when those show up, it is clearly God working in and through His people. It is His power literally showing up and doing something that was outside of human ability. It is God doing something through the gift of faith, the gifts of healing, or the working of miracles. When people get up out of wheelchairs, it's hard for people to say that wasn't God. When people are dead and they start living again, they start breathing again, they start talking again, it's hard for people to say that wasn't God. When people had cancer and little girls go back to the hospital and they had 70% of their body consumed with leukemia and the doctors say, we don't know where it went, it's hard for them to say, well, that was a happen chance. That was God. Those are the ones that are, it, are, it is hard for the world to say, well, that was happen chance. The gifts of revel- the revelatory gifts, these are words of wisdom, words of knowledge, and discerning of spirits. The word of wisdom, just really quickly, this is when God divinely gives wisdom for a certain situation. One of the best examples is Joseph. Remember that Joseph interprets Pharaoh's dream, but God does not just give the prophetic interpretation of Pharaoh's dream. He gives wisdom with what to do with the interpretation. If Joseph just goes into Pharaoh and says, you're going to have seven years of plenty, and then you're going to have seven years of famine, good luck, see you later, that doesn't do anything for Pharaoh, that doesn't do anything for Egypt, and it doesn't birth a nation of Israel. And they're left without any answers. It is the wisdom that God gives when Joseph says, now here's what you should do with that word. Store up in the seven years of plenty so you have to save in the seven years of famine and that you'll be able to sustain yourself. It's that wisdom that God gave that they're able to sustain through that season. Words of knowledge, these are supernatural, verifiable facts. This is God's Holy Spirit icebreaker. This is when God comes in and he breaks the ice through his Holy Spirit to prepare to minister. These are verifiable facts to the hearer. Oftentimes these are facts that someone could have found out a different way, but they found out via God. In other words, they could have went and researched the information, but the way that they received the information was from God, and that's why it's supernatural in, in that encounter. Uh, These are anything from street names to um, children's names. Sometimes God will get as specific as bank accounts or addresses or previous addresses. And he'll do this oftentimes to set up a prophetic ministry or some other type of ministry. A lot of times God will do this. He will tell someone about their past and then he will begin to tell them about their future um, and I've, a lot of times God will do this because if you will trust him in saying, oh, wow, he told me where I was at, now I believe that he can tell me where I'm going. And so that's a lot of times where God works there. And then discerning of spirits, this is the Holy Spirit identifying the motivating factor in a situation. 
So that's a lot, but that's what we talked about last week. We spent an hour almost talking about those. Today we are talking about the inspiration gifts. These are the gifts that we see operate most frequently in this house. And so I wanted to devote a whole day, a whole class to the inspiration gifts. There's three of them. Again, these come from 1 Corinthians 12, 8 through 10. For to one is given by the Spirit the word of wisdom, to another the word of knowledge by the same Spirit, to another faith by the same Spirit, to another gifts of healing by the same Spirit, to another working of miracles, to another prophecy, to another discerning of spirit, to another diverse kinds of tongues, to another interpretation of tongues. These are our inspiration gifts. These are The inspiration gifts are for the inspiration and the uplifting of the body of Christ. Excuse me, I'm dry this morning. I've already been through one of those. The inspiration gifts are for the uplifting of the body of Christ. They, the purpose of these gifts, the purpose of all of the gifts are to build up the body, but specifically the inspiration gifts. The inspiration gifts specifically work to build up the body of Christ. The three, again, are prophecy, diverse kinds of tongues, and interpretation of tongues. We're going to go a little bit about out of order. We're going to start with diverse kinds of tongues. The word for diverse here is kindred, offspring, or many individuals of the same nature. And the word for tongues here is just language or dialects. This is the public ministry of the gifts of tongues. This language is never known to the speaker, but it can be known to the hearer. So there are two separate ministries of tongues for the Holy Spirit. There are two separate ministries of tongues for the Holy Spirit. There is a public ministry of the Holy Spirit, and there is a private ministry of the Holy Spirit. The public ministry of the Holy Spirit and the private ministry of the Holy Spirit. The private ministry of the Holy Spirit is your prayer language. That's why Paul in Ephesians 14 says, He that speaketh in an unknown tongue does not speak to men, but he speaks to God. If there was only a public ministry, Paul would not say that you only speak to God. The private ministry of the Holy Spirit is a prayer language. Romans 8 talks about um, the Holy Spirit maketh intercession for us when we know not how we ought to pray. And he goes on to say that he even makes intercession for us at times with groanings and utterings that are too deep for words. In other words, there are times that in your prayer language that it will come out as a language. And there are times that in your prayer language it will come out with groanings and utterings. Some of the old saints would call it the travails. The travailing prayers. The groanings and the utterings. Those are the private prayer languages of the Holy Spirit. But the diverse kinds of tongues that Paul is talking about is the public ministry of the Holy Spirit. Because the Holy Spirit inside of the church, remember the gifts of the Holy Spirit in 1 Corinthians 12, specifically in 1 Corinthians 12, are for the building up of the body. Your private language is not for the building up of the body. Your private language is for the building up of yourself. The public language, the public tongues of the Holy Spirit is for the building up of the body. Does it make sense? So the public, the public display of tongues can come out two ways. It can come out as unknown to the hearers or it can come out as known to the hearers. 
It can come out as known as in Acts 2. Remember in Acts 2 when the apostles uh, spill out into the street? I even put it here. Look at there. Acts 2, 7 and 8. I forgot I put it here. And they were all amazed and marveled, saying one to another, Behold, are not all these which speak Galileans? And how we hear every man in our own tongue wherein we were born. So, the public ministry of tongues can come out as known to the hearers. There is a tongue that the Holy Spirit can give that is not known to the speaker, but is known to the hearer. If you listen um, to testimonies of missionaries a lot of times, or evangelists, if you listen to people like, um, he's not with us anymore, he's gone on to be with the Lord, but Reinhard Bonnke, or people like Daniel Kalinda, who have taken over for Reinhard Bonnke. Reinhard Bonnke was a ministry uh, minister to Africa for years and years, and he would go into some of the deepest places in Africa, and he was really connected to these missionaries who would be forerunners for him. So they would go in ahead of him and plow the ground, so to speak. And, and, and he would have stories of men that would go in under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit sometimes, and they would have an utterance of the Holy Spirit, and they would have testimonies of people that would say to them from their translators, these men say, you're speaking their original language in perfect dialect. And the reason was, is because the Holy Spirit would give in a gift, in a moment, it wasn't a permanent gift, it wasn't something that they carried around, but it was a gift for a moment as a sign to those that were around that God was with them and they were declaring the goodness of God in their original language that those people could understand. So the Holy Spirit can come out as a language that the hearers can understand, but it can also come out as a language that the hearers do not understand. And if it comes out as a language that the hearers do not understand, we're told to seek an interpretation. And so that's our next gift, the interpretation of tongues. The interpretation here just means interpretation. Specifically, it means of obscure utterances. We're doing good on time. Look at us. When the Holy Spirit ministers publicly with a gift of tongues that is unknown to the hearers, God instructs us to pray for interpretation. This is important. In this house often, and listen, I want us to be careful. It is, um, we have to be careful that we don't treat as common what happens commonly. We have to be careful that what happens frequently doesn't get treated as something that is just casual. In this house, we are blessed with certain people and with a spirit of a gift of tongues and interpretation. And that is because God has blessed us. That is not because we have done anything. We don't have some secret sauce. We have never had a meeting about how to get that. We have never had any kind of secret formula or, or book or anything like that. God has just blessed us. But when that happens, that is God speaking. That is the Father saying, I want to speak to my children and declare a word to the body about a specific thing for a specific direction in a specific season. And we have to be careful that we don't treat that as common. Because it happens frequently, human nature says, well, that's common. 
because it happens frequently, we just have to check ourselves. And I, I, don't, I don't think we do. I just want to say that out loud. Because I think it's important to just say that out loud. But we, that happens a lot in this house. If you've been in this house very often, it happens a lot. And it's not because we do anything. It's because he's good. And it's because he likes to speak to his kids. And he's graced us with that. But we have to make sure that we don't treat that as common. And if we don't treat it as common, he'll continue speaking. Um, there's a lot of scripture here, but it's, it's good. And it and explains the process of the interpretation. Uh, this is starting in verse 6 of chapter 14. So chapter 12 outlines the gifts. Chapter 13 is the love chapter where Paul explains, but yet I show unto you a more excellent way. Chapter 14, Paul is um, giving more explanation about the gifts. He's giving more details about the gifts. So in verse 6, Now, brethren, if I come to you speaking with tongues, what shall I profit you, except I shall speak to you either by revelation or by knowledge or by prophesying or by doctrine? And even things without life-giving sound, whether pipe or harp, except they give a distinction in the sounds, how shall it be known what is piped or harped? For if the trumpet give an uncertain sound, who shall prepare himself for, to the battle? So likewise ye, except ye utter by the tongue words easy to be understood, how shall it be known what is spoken? For you shall speak into the air. They are, it may be, so many kinds of voices in the world, and none of them is known without significance. Therefore, if I know not the meaning of the voice, I shall be unto him that speaketh a barbarian, and he that speaketh shall be a barbarian unto me. Even so... Ye, for as much as ye are zealous of the spiritual gifts, seek that you may excel in the edifying of the church. Wherefore, let him that speaks in an unknown tongue pray that he may interpret. So verses 12 and 13 here are what really are, I think, the most important of, of what Paul is saying here. Really what Paul is saying here is tongues are great. But if nobody knows what you're saying, it doesn't profit anybody except yourself. Speaking in tongues is great for yourself. But the purpose of speaking in tongues in the body of believers is to build up the body. So if we're going to build up the body, then there has to be some revelation. There has to be some interpretation. There has to be some 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 um, some recognition by the people around you of what you're saying because you know that when when you speak in tongues your spirit is edified Paul would say in chapter 14 of first Corinthians your spirit is edified and when you're speaking in tongues you feel edified but the person next to you doesn't feel anything that doesn't do anything for the person next to you so in order for the body to be built up we have to have something happen to those tongues and Paul says it is necessary it's not recommended. It's necessary that if there are tongues in the body, that there's an interpretation. It is necessary. There have been churches in the past, and we're not one of them, thank God, that have not seen it as necessary. They have seen it as recommended. And what happens? It turns into a circus. It turns into a zoo. It does. Because... People get stuck watching, and people get lost, and people feel left out because people are not built up. Because what it does is it edifies the person with the gift and not the body. 
the purpose of the gifts are to edify the body. Remember, the manifestation of the gifts are never about me. They are never about me. In fact, the manifestation of the gifts should really make me go low and should make everyone else go high. And when we have a tongues that is not interpreted, what it does is it makes me go high and it puts me on a pedestal and everyone else is looking at me. And everyone else is saying, wow, how gifted and how talented and how exalted and how awesome that person is. And how God is touching them and how God is moving in them. And that's not the purpose of the gifts in the body. Now, at home, in your prayer closet, absolutely. That's exactly what you should do at home in your prayer closet. But that's at home in your prayer closet. In the body, God says, I want the body to be built up. So it is necessary, not recommended, it is necessary that we have an interpretation. I didn't put this in your notes, um, but I, I want to read this to you. Um, verse 27 and 28 of the same chapter, Paul went on to say, If any man speak in an unknown tongue, let it be by two or at the most three, and that by course, and let one interpret. But if there be no interpreter, let him keep silence in the church and let him speak to himself and to God. This is more order in the church. God is a God of order. God is a God of order. What's Paul saying? Tongues are awesome in the church. Tongues are incredible in the church. And sometimes there are enough giftings in the church that we could do tongues and interpretations all day. Paul said there's enough giftings in the church at Corinth. You guys could do tongues and interpretations all day. But what he's saying here. If you've had two or three tongues and interpretations, that's enough. Move on. Because you're running out of order. You're getting out of order. And it's becoming out of order. And God is not the author of confusion. The word for confusion there is disorder. God is not the author of disorder. God wants order in His church. Yes, He wants to speak to His people. Yes, he wants to divinely move in the lives of his people. But what starts happening? What was happening in the church at Corinth? One person would stand up and give a tongues. And somebody would give an interpretation. And somebody over there would go, oh, well, I, I got a tongues too. And they'd stand up and give a tongues and an interpretation. And then somebody else would go, well, I, I think I got a tongues too. And then they'd stand up and give a tongues and interpretation. And before you know it, they'd spend the whole day giving tongues and interpretation because they think, I think I've got a word from God that's better than the word from God that he gave or that she gave or that they gave. Or I've got a gift in me that's a little better than the gift that they're giving. And it becomes a competition of whose gifting is better and who can put on a better show or who can do this thing better. Or who can manufacture something better? And Paul said, you got it all backwards. This is about edifying the body. And it's become out of order. And so Paul starts laying the groundwork. And we practice this in this church. This is nothing new to this church. This is, um, th this is our playbook in this church. This is our playbook. We use the whole Bible, but specifically when it comes to the gifts of the Spirit, this is our playbook in this church. This is our playbook in this church. When you see us, um, when there's a gift of tongues that is given and this church falls silent, it's for two reasons. One, because it's Yahweh speaking. And when he speaks, everybody else gets quiet. If, you get, if, if kids get quiet when their parents talk, then we ought to get quiet when the father talks. And two, because Paul said we get quiet when he talks because we wait for the interpretation. 
And when there have been two or three tongues in this house, then we move on. Because that's what Paul said to do. So this is the playbook that we follow. So that's just a little background of, of um, that's how those gifts operate. And that's why we operate the way we do in this house. Because that's the way Paul said to operate. Because it keeps order in the house. Because God is not the author of confusion and disorder. Disorder is where the devil thrives. God doesn't thrive in disorder. God thrives in order and in unity. Because disorder is where, you, where disunity is birthed. Order keeps unity. Okay, now I'm not doing so good on time. Prophecy. This is the last one and the longest one, of course. Prophecy. The word here for prophecy is to prophesy. Prediction of events through divine inspiration. The word for prophecy means to prophesy. It is pretty self-explanatory. But prophecy is twofold. Prophecy is both to foretell and forthtell. Prophecy is foretelling and forthtelling. Prophecy is not just predicting the future. Prophecy is also creating the future. Zechariah 9.9, the prophet Zechariah says, Behold, your king cometh lowly, riding on a donkey, the colt, the foal of a donkey. Zechariah predicts the coming of the Messiah on a donkey. That is not creating the future. He is predicting the coming of the king. Did I get the scripture right? Yeah, I got it right. Look at that. He is predicting the coming of the king. Ezekiel, God says, son of man, prophesy to these dry bones. He is forthtelling to the dry bones. Ezekiel is not predicting that the dry bones will live again. He is prophesying and commanding the dry bones to live again. Prophecy is twofold. It is both foretelling and forthtelling. The reason prophecy has the ability to be forthtelling is not because of the one who prophesies. It is because prophecy carries the creative grace of the Father. God is a creator. When God speaks, things move. And when God releases his word into a man or woman of God, and they release the word of God, it, it carries the creative nature of God. And the creative grace and authority of God. So when God looks at a man or a woman who's broken, who's destitute, who's been in drugs and alcohol and perversion and sexual immorality, and he says, I'm going to take you to the nations, and I'm going to save thousands and hundreds of thousands, and I'm going to use you to shake the nations, and I'm going to use you to speak to kings, and I'm going to use you to speak to presidents, and I'm going to use you to prophesy. God is creating a future for that person, not because the, the person prophesying has any authority. It is because the word of the Lord is coming through that person with creative authority. And when the word of the Lord comes, things have to move. Things have to move. So when we hear a prophecy, we have to understand that there is, a, there is an authority in the prophecy to create a future that was not already there. We have to understand that there is authority in that word that is not coming from that person that is speaking to us. It is coming from the Father. It is coming from the one who spoke into creation everything that was, is, or will be. And it has the authority to change the future of our life. And it can create whatever He says it can create. And whatever He says will be, will be. 
And we have to receive with faith that he is able to do what he said he will do. Because it's in the receiving, it's in the receiving that we get the grace to walk in what he's spoken. This may come as a shock to some of you, this next bullet, but we have all been commanded to prophesy. We have all, thank you Sherry, we have all been commanded to prophesy. 1 Corinthians 14.1 Follow after charity or love and desire spiritual gifts, but rather, the ESV says, but especially that you may prophesy. 1 Corinthians 14.4 and 5 He that speaketh in an unknown tongue edifieth himself. This is private prayer language. But he that prophesieth edifieth the church. I would that you all spoke with tongues, but rather that you prophesied. For greater is he that prophesieth than he that speaks with tongues, except that he interpret that the church may receive edifying. We have all been called as a people to prophesy. Why? Because Jesus said, my sheep hear my voice. My sheep hear my voice. Not my shepherds. Pastors are shepherds. He didn't say the fivefold hear my voice. And he didn't say the shepherds hear my voice. He said, my sheep hear my voice. And Paul did not suggest that we prophesy. He commanded that we all prophesy. He said, follow after charity. He didn't say, if you feel like following after charity, follow after it. He said, follow after charity and desire spiritual gifts, especially that you may prophesy. We are commanded to prophesy as his people. And what is prophesying? It is speaking what God speaks. It is declaring what God declares. It is saying what God says. We are called as his people to declare to the people around us what he says to us. Now, we are not called to be prophets. Not all of us are called to be prophets. Some of us may be. If you're called to the office of a prophet, that's awesome. But the office of a prophet is different than being called to prophesy. Fivefold office of a prophet, totally different. If you feel like you're called to be that, go talk to Pastor Hall and you guys can discuss that. That's something totally different. And that's awesome if you're called to be that. Praise God. But we are all called to prophesy. Because God is looking for a people that will declare his creative grace to the world around us. John 7, 37. Jesus stood up on the last day of the feast, the great day, and he cried. If any man thirsts, let him come to me and drink, as the scripture has said. And out of his belly will flow rivers of living water. The water is to change the environment around you. The water is to change the environment around you. The word flow there, the root word, is tied back to the word, is tied back to the term that is always tied to prophecy. The word flow there, it is tied to the term that is always tied to prophecy. The river that flows out of us has the ability to change the environment around us. He is looking for people that will change the environment around them. And prophecy changes the environment around us because it declares the word of the Lord through us. It declares the word of the Lord through us. New Testament prophecy carries a new assignment than Old Testament prophecy. 
1 Corinthians 14.3 says, But he that prophesieth speaketh unto men edification, exhortation, and comfort. I'm going to have to speed up a little bit. Edification is building up one who promotes another. One who promotes another's growth speaks strengthening. Exhortation is comfort, consolation, encouragement, that which affords refreshment and imploring. And comfort is consolation, comfort, any address where the purpose is to persuade, arouse, and stimulate. Now listen, I want to say this. Um, there's a, uh, you guys know Bethel Church out in Redding, California? Uh, there's a guy out there who, um, is, who helped start their school of the prophets, and he has a great description of New Testament prophecy. When you read this description of New Testament prophecy, uh, he that prophesieth speaking unto men edification, exhortation, and comfort. It sounds like a bless me club, right? It sounds like every time you prophesy in the New Testament, you're just supposed to pat somebody on the, on the back, and you're supposed to say, good job, get out there and get them. But he, in breaking down these terms... He ties this back to um, what the Lord said to Joshua. Remember when Joshua? Remember when the Lord said to, to Joshua in uh, Joshua one nine, um, "Have I not commanded thee? Be not afraid, neither be thou dismayed. Be strong and courageous." Look at the definitions of these terms. Yes, edification is for building up and promoting growth, but it also is for strengthening. Exhortation is for comfort and consolation, but it's also for imploring. And comfort is for consolation and comfort, but it's also to persuade, to arouse, and stimulate. What is New Testament prophecy really? New Testament prophecy is to do what, the, what God was trying to convince the others in the Old Testament to gather themselves to do. New Testament prophecy equips us what God was trying to equip them with in the Old Testament. What God was trying to tell Joshua to do in the Old Testament, to be not afraid, to be not, to be not dismayed, to be strong and courageous, God has equipped us to do through prophecy. He's equipped us to strengthen, to equip us to encourage. He's equipped us to implore people through New Testament prophecy because it is that that equips us to finish the mission that Jesus has given us. It is, it is the New Testament prophecy that equips us to be strengthened, to, to be refreshed, to implore each other, to stimulate each other, to pursue the mission that God's put in front of us. It's not just, it's not just to fluff each other up and say, oh, you're doing great. Now listen, that's awesome if you get a word like that. Thank God for those words because those words are awesome. But New Testament prophecy is to strengthen. Yes, it's to encourage, but it is to strengthen, it is to implore, and it is to stimulate so that we are ready to finish the mission that Jesus has put in front of us. And so that the people that we encounter are ready to pursue the mission that Jesus has put in front of them. I'm going to give you this, this last one, and then, and then we're going to finish up. Finally, New Testament prophecy is to be judged. The prophecy, not the one prophesying. 1 Corinthians 14, 29, let the prophets speak two or three, and let the others judge. 1 Thessalonians 5, 20 and 21, despise not prophesying, prove all things, hold fast to that which is good. In the Old Testament, in the Old Testament, um, uh, they, if, if a prophet uh, missed a part of a word, they took the guy out and they stoned him outside the city. 
And that's how they handled Old Testament prophecy. New Testament prophecy is different. Okay, in the New Testament prophecy, we are equipped as believers, all of us, to hear the word of the Lord. And as we are equipped to hear the word of the Lord, God invites us, as we receive prophetic words, to take them to Him and to judge the words that we receive. And as believers, to judge the words that we receive. How do we judge the words? One, does it line up with the Bible? God will never contradict His word. He has put His word above His name. Does it line up with the Word? Does it point to Jesus? The Holy Spirit will never do anything other than point to Jesus. Jesus said when He comes, He will testify of me. That's what He does. That's what the Holy Spirit does. He will teach you all things. He will remind you of everything that I have said. Everything that Jesus said the Holy Spirit would do would remind them of Jesus. Jesus said the Holy Spirit wouldn't speak of His own. He would say everything that He heard the Father and Jesus say. That's what the Holy Spirit does. Does it... Does it say what the Bible says? Does it point to Jesus? Those are the two first two things you got to check when prophecy. Other than that, take it to the Father and ask Him to walk you through it and ask Him to, to, to check it in your spirit. Does it line up with what He's speaking to you? But we're, we're equipped as believers in the New Testament age as His sheep to hear His voice. We're equipped to hear His voice. We don't have to follow blindly a word from a priest or a rabbi and say, well, the rabbi said, this is what i got to do, so i just got to do it blindly. No, no, no. We are equipped to hear the voice of the Lord. So we take a word that the Lord gives us through, uh, through a man or a woman of God, and we take it to the Lord. And we say, Lord, this is what I've been given. Is this you? How much of this is you? Because Paul said we, prophes- we see in part... We prophesy in part. So, Lord, is all of this you? Is part of this you? Is most of this you? Is any of this you? And then we judge it. And then we hold fast to what is good. And what's not good, we toss out. Because you know what? People are people. And sometimes people get their people in the way. Unfortunately, we haven't all made it yet. Unfortunately. So people are people. And sometimes our people gets in the way. So God said, judge the words you're given. Because that will keep you from, from, one, it'll keep you from hurt. And two, it'll keep you in line with what he's actually speaking. Because most of the time, what his words will do when he gives them through another person, his words will drive you back to him. His words will always bring you back to him. Because really what he wants is you to come back to him. And then in him, you'll find what you really need. Okay, finally, this is it. Um, pursuing Him and pursuing His gifts. 1 Corinthians 12, 31. Covet earnestly the best gifts, yet I show unto you a more excellent way. 1 Corinthians 14, 1. Follow charity and desire spiritual gifts, but rather that you may prophesy. We have been given permission and rather a command as believers to pursue spiritual gifts. To not just say, oh, those are awesome and it would be cool if I had some, but to pursue spiritual gifts. He has told us that the purpose of the spiritual gifts is to build up the body and that it is good if we have them, and He has told us to pursue them. But we find them when we find Him. We will never find the gifts outside of Him. The gifts are always found in the giver. And if we really want the gifts, we've got to find Him. When we find Him, we'll find His gifts. So pursue Him and you'll find His gifts. And when we find his gifts, it'll change the atmosphere around us. Not just the house. Sure, it'll change the house. Sure, it'll change the house. But can I tell you, God, 
God's got enough prophecy in the house. God's got enough words of knowledge in the house. God wants words of knowledge at your place of business. God wants words of knowledge at, at, at the grocery store. As scary, now Listen, as scary as that may be, if you go asking for words of knowledge, God's not going to give them to you. I'm going to run out of time. God's not going to give them to you here. God's not going to give them to you here. He's going to give them to you at Walmart. He's going to. That's where he's going to give them to you at. Or when you're walking to your mailbox, that's where he's going to give them to you at. Because he loves people. He loves people. And you have a way of touching people at your office and at Walmart and at the mailbox and at the, and at the post office that, that we can't touch. You see people every day that I will never meet in my whole life. And he wants to reach those people. And it is through his Holy Spirit that he can reach them. So pursue the gifts. Pursue him and pursue the gifts and let him reach those people. Right? All right, let's pray. Father, we thank you. We thank you for your word. We thank you for your power. We thank you for your authority. We thank you, Lord, for the challenge of pursuing you and pursuing everything that you have for us. Father, we open ourselves up. Jesus, we ask you to challenge us as we pursue you. We ask that you would invite us into a deeper place in you than we've ever been before. We ask you to use us in new, exciting, scary ways. We ask you to challenge us daily to be used by you in ways that we never even fathomed, in ways that we never even imagined, and that we would look back one day and be grateful and thankful that we said yes to your request of pursuing after you and that you would use us, Lord, that your kingdom may expand. You said that the kingdom of God is within us, and Lord, we invite you to expand that kingdom that is within us. Jesus, we ask you to walk into this room, to have your way in this service, to move mightily, Lord, to move powerfully, Lord, to do miracles, signs, and wonders, to advance the kingdom here in this house, to save the lost souls, to mend broken hearts, to change families, to restore, to renew, to revive in this house, to let your kingdom come and your will be done on this earth as it is in heaven, and do it for the glory of your name. In Jesus' mighty name, amen. Thank you for listening today to the Living Godcast. We trust and pray that you are blessed by today's word. If you would like to contact us for prayer or for more information about Church of the Living God, please visit our Facebook page at WinCityCOLG or give us a call at 859-745-1865.